Welcome to episode three of I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. I'm Stephen. I'm Ivan. Hello, hello. And uh, this is our third episode of our much-loved podcast. Uh, we're much-loved amongst ourselves, at least. Yeah. Uh, yet to be determined by our listeners. Well, we have actually, we've, we've released a couple of episodes and we have got some feedback. Yeah. As well, like some people, you know, saying they like the show and, uh, and everything. So that was, that was pretty nice. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, it's been really good, uh, really encouraging. Uh, a lot of friends and, and family and whatnot have all said that they really like it. So if you're a new listener, welcome on board. And uh, if you could help us by spreading the word, that would be appreciated. And uh, yeah, giving us some feedback. But uh, just to give you a bit of background on this one, we, myself and Ivan, we basically spend uh, 45 minutes to an hour every week talking about the uh, amazing secondary characters that make up the uh, nine seasons of Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah nine yeah. seasons. So we go through every episode, but not in chronological order. Mm. Like we find, like you and I just, you know, talk about it and we say, what's another episode we can just come up with? And then you, you come up with uh, like a character like, oh, I remember this character. Remember this guy from this episode or this lady? It's like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we just kind of pick characters from the sky. Uh, my sister suggested one, which we might do sometime in the future. So... Uh, yeah, and if you've got ideas, please let us know. We're, we're happy to consider them or reconsider them if we uh, wrote them off. Yeah, you can find us on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, at B-I-D-W. Hang on, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Add the acronym for that. Bidwabasque. Bidwabasque, excellent. <laughs> uh, you can also email us at bidwabaskepodcast at, at gmail.com if you'd like to drop us a line. And So many people are going to be getting returned emails. <laughs> yeah, I and know. And bad search results. Bidwabasque? Bidwabasque. Yeah. Just, just remember the acronym for, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Yeah. And you're good. People are probably going to complain about uh, how hard that is to remember. Why couldn't you just make it a two-word title, you idiots? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, idiot. Like last week. Yeah, The old, yeah, the old yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, that, hopefully that comes true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so in this episode, which is episode three, we're going to be talking about a much-loved character yes. uh, in a, uh, I would say, a reasonably loved episode. Reasonably I loved, yeah. yeah. I think semi kind of forgotten. Mm. I mean, people, like when you speak to Seinfeld uh, fans, you know, you say, oh, this episode, you know, you know this guy? Oh, not really. Do you know this character? Oh, yeah, 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 I know him. Do you think the episode would be as memorable or remembered if... Uh, our focus of today wasn't wasn't part of it. Do you think if he wasn't in the episode, people would remember the episode, or do you uh, think he kind of makes it memorable, more memorable to people? Well, I think I think even though he's only in it for a good what five minutes max, mm. I think he does make an impact. And the fact that his name is synonymous with his role, mm -hmm. I think that kind of jogs the memory of yep. Seinfeld fans. So I think. Yeah, I think if he wasn't in the picture, I don't think this episode would be would have as much gravitas. No, you know, no. gravitas and, as, uh, as I would anticipate. For anyone listening, we've been a bit vague on who we're who we're focusing on today. You probably have picked it up by uh, Ivan's reference of his name matching his profession. <laughs> but uh, for all you uneducated uh, and people who aren't as good, or people who just don't, people who just can't decipher our language. Yeah, or people who are just <laughs> impatient, waiting for us to uh, just get on with it. Yeah. Today we're going to be focusing on the library. The which library, is yes. Season three, episode five. Production code three zero four. Yeah. Uh, originally airing in the United States on October. 16th. I thought it was an eight for a second. October 16, 1991. I'm getting old, Stephen. <laughs> I think my eyes are giving out. 
Yeah, everyone's getting old. I'm gonna have to get those female glasses like George gets. Remember how he gets his <laughs> yeah. he gets his glasses changed and he gets like the the, the grandma glasses. Yeah. I think I need those. Yeah, but I think you get to an age where you just stop caring. Yeah. If you're happy with whatever you're wearing or whatever you're doing, you just don't give a shit. So <laughs> yeah. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I hope you don't have any uh, overdue books like Tropic of Cancer or anything, because uh, we are taking you to the library. So yeah. hopefully you don't have any outstanding fees. We're Trem- sorry. <laughs> We're not gonna reimburse you for any fees. No, we don't take any responsibility if you're spending too much time listening to this and other podcasts and not borrowing or returning books that's not on us no that's not that's that's your own problem (laughs) take responsibility yeah come on you're an adult yeah well most of you are i hope you are i hope you are too if you're a kid hey hey love you sorry about saying shit before oh that's okay shit shit We've got to have an explicit tag on iTunes. Just for this episode. Just for this yeah, episode. We're pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Make contain course language. Yes. <laughs> Other than uh, Bookman, uh, who is yes. the, uh, I guess, the, the focus of this episode mm-hmm. uh, and this podcast. Yes. We'll touch on the other secondary characters as well. Yep. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, Marion, the librarian. So Kramer's lover mm. or girlfriend in the episode. So uh, Kramer, we find out a bit, something new about Kramer, the fact that he can, uh, he's got a magnetism for... You know, women can just they're just love him. To him yeah. yeah, they're just drawn to him. He's got some kind of magnetism, mm. which I find very interesting. He's kind of he's kind of Rasputin-y, really. He's got this mysticism about him that <laughs> he's so weird that he's attractive. Yeah, you know, he's so different to most. Well, at least in Seinfeld's world, most men that maybe that's what's attracted to him. Maybe I don't know. That's something I'm going to ponder uh, through the podcast: is why is Kramer so attractive when he's <laughs> A bumbling doofus. He's he's hilarious. He's great. Yeah. And he's probably the most kind person out of the four main cast. Yeah. But he's he's pretty silly. I'm gonna have to start wearing like tweed jackets. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the vintage play pants. Yeah. Maybe I'm I'm start, have to start going to like op shops and stuff. Yeah. Trying to figure it out. Yeah. You'll have to move to to my side of town, the inner north of Melbourne. Oh la di da. Maybe I will. Mm. I'll have my six dollar single origin coffee. Thanks very much. <laughs> with the yes. uh, soy milk. Yep. Thank you. And your craft beer. Now that Cooper's is you know is off the the beer drinking. Oh list. yeah. Well, that's yeah. a conversation for another time. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I thought I'd just bring it up to to sound intelligent and topical. <laughs> well, you you did just fine. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. Uh, so the other characters that we'll be focusing on, other than uh, the librarian and the library cop, Bookman, mm-hmm. will be the gym teacher, uh, Mr. Heyman. Can't stand ya. Can't stand ya. Can't stand ya. Can't stand ya. Can't stand ya with his baked bean teeth. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's such a gross image. Yes. And the other character we're going to focus on is Sherry Becker. So that's uh, Jerry Seinfeld's high school sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. She's worth uh, touching on in this yeah. episode. And also uh, Mr. Lippman, who's Elaine's boss. Interesting. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff about him in this episode, which the, we'll get into a bit later. Yeah. So I was actually thinking of something, but I think we'll get into that a bit later. I think we're on the same page, Ivan. We're looking <laughs> at our own notes. <laughs> it's funny how you said same page and it's the library. Oh, You're good with the puns, man. That's my that's my only quality. <laughs> on my resume, it just says good, good at puns. <laughs> Everything else is just doesn't matter. Uh, no, you've got more talent than that. Come on. True. <laughs> True. So we'll uh, we'll start off. Uh, uh, Ivan, do you want to give a, a basic synopsis of the episode? That's that's what we do. Um, as I said at the start, we focus on the secondary characters. There is a lot of podcasts and just general discussion about the main cast. Uh, so we won't be focusing on them, uh, but they will come up in our conversations because they're so closely linked to what we're talking about yeah uh but just to set a bit of a scene in case you haven't seen the episode or you just want to get uh caught up on it uh or if you're just totally unfamiliar or uh um you know just to 
Yeah, yeah, just to, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah just so yeah. you can get an understanding because you never know. Like maybe you haven't watched this episode in a long time. I mean, even for me, I hadn't watched this episode for a number of years, mm. but you know, until we did the podcast, or not even like even like a week before. Like, yeah. So let's do the library. Oh, geez, I haven't watched that episode for ages. And I think I've watched it eight. Yeah. I've watched it at least. Idea. Yeah, I've watched yeah. at least five times. I'll probably so. never watch it again. Nah, probably no. not. Yeah, I've gotten eight years worth of watching <laughs> done in one week. Uh, I've seen that imposter Lipman enough. You know, the <laughs> actor who played Lipman in that one episode. Yeah, that's. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, a bit Pati- later. Patience, Ivan. Patience is a virtue, as they say. So, anyway, episode three, the library of. But I don't want to be a secondary character. We're really getting into the crux of these secondary characters, aren't we, Stephen? Yeah, we are. It's getting. Uh, it's getting pretty exciting. Yeah. And we're coming up with some pretty wacky, wacky stuff about who these people are. And uh, I imagine it will get wackier. Yeah, just like Seinfeld so. did. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our podcast progression will match uh, Seinfeld's progression, getting into surreal and wacky territory. Yes, and I can't wait. So, an episode plot for the library. Season 3, episode 5, production code 304. Originally airing on October 16, 1991 in the United States. Uh, this episode was written by Larry Charles, and in this one, uh, Jerry is notified by his local library about an overdue book that he hasn't returned since 1971. Uh, Jerry's convinced that he returned the book, as he strongly believes that he was with his girlfriend at the time, Sherry Becker, uh, who wore an orange dress and ate licorice gum. So, yeah. I don't, I don't like licorice. Yeah, me either. I'm not really a fan. Anything aniseed, not yeah. a fan. Fennel is good, but yeah. any, any confectionery, not a fan. What confectionery from fennel? I mean, is fennel and licorice the same thing, is it? Or? No, no. Aniseed is the flavor. Yeah. And fennel is a vegetable that has an aniseedy flavor. Ah. So, aniseed is the flavor of licorice. Oh, licorice is the name of the candy. Ah. I, no. I don't know. Aniseed and licorice are the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but they still taste as bad as each other. Well, except in, fennel. Except fennel. Yeah. Fennel's all right. Yeah, fennel's amazing. Mm, fennel and salad. Mm. Uh, we should, we, we should have some podcast. fennel. Yeah, I know. We should have some fennel here. What the hell? Mm. Why, is it, why is it in, in the studio? I'll, I'll talk for five minutes. You run down and get some fennel. All right, I will. <laughs> Good idea, man. <laughs> so anyway, continuing continuing on with the plot, uh, when Jerry and Kramer arrive at the library, the librarian, played by Ashley Gardner, uh, says that his case, uh, i.e. his overdue book, uh, has been handed over to the stern library investigations officer, Lieutenant Bookman. Played excellently by uh, Philip Baker Hall. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was really good. Yeah, yeah, he was I, great. That's a trend we've noticed already. That all of these characters, I guess it's a testament to the quality of the writing uh, of the characters, but just they're cast perfectly. Yeah, you know, they're whoever whoever's coming up with these these characters, they're they're casting them. The the, the people that they're casting these characters with just match the scripting and everything perfectly. So. Uh, yeah, and and obviously Bookman's no exception. He's yeah. just he he nails it. Every single word that comes out of his mouth is is gold. And he's only in it for like five minutes in total. And but I reckon the best part is his monologue in Jerry's apartment. Yeah, just yes. his just his rants, fabulous, uh, and attacking mostly Jerry. Yeah, uh, are just beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, before we started recording, Ivan and I were thinking, do you think that was ad libbed? Do you think that was? just a, a you know the director at this at the time just said go for it and he just sort of made it up on the spot i think it was i think most of it was anyway because i i can tell like if, if you've watched the episode before you can see that jerry kind of goes out of character you know he's trying to hide his laughter you know like you know, at the time when jerry he was starting out acting this is like his second third year doing the show third season so his acting was still a bit 
you know, choppy, but he was getting there slowly. Um, I could tell he was getting out of character quite a bit with Bookman. Like, Bookman would go on these rants, and I don't think Jerry was, like, expecting that kind of stuff. I think he was just very... Like, Jerry was just like... The stuff that was coming out of Bookman's mouth, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you can see him kind of trying to hold back laughter yeah uh, when he's getting ranted at it's yeah. quite funny it's quite watch. good yeah it's quite good I, I got a couple of quotes but i, I don't i'll probably read them later but yeah they're so good <laughs> yeah we'll get into them later yeah maybe when we talk about bookman we'll i'll, I'll fire off a couple of quotes mm. from his monologue they're yeah. fantastic is there a so bit of a synopsis to finish off there Ivan? oh yeah there sure is yeah so uh when yeah so when jerry and kramer arrive at the library the librarian says that the case has been handed over to mr bookman or bookman uh george arrives later at the library claiming that a homeless person on the steps of the libraries is past physical education teacher mr Heyman, who taunted george in high school and with the help of some uh, school bullies gave george a wedgie can't stand ya can't stand ya uh the b story for this one uh, elaine's worried that her boss may fire her as her co-worker forgets to ask what she wants for lunch uh kramer begins an affair with the librarian it's later revealed that in the episode that it was george who was meant to return the tropic of cancer book uh, however after his wedgie he never got the chance to do it this was back in 71 and also he he got wedged again by the PE teacher who was homeless. He got Mr. Atomic. He got atomic. Yeah. 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 So it was pretty, pretty crazy. Brutal. Brutal. I think I got wedged in primary school once or maybe twice, and it wasn't an atomic wedgie. And oh, it's, <laughs> not over the over the head. No. 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 Uh, very painful. So <laughs> if that's ever happened in real life to anyone. Let us know. Uh, yeah, let us know. <laughs> I was about to offer some sympathy, but get in touch with us. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, no, wedgies are no fun. No. They're the worst. I've never no. had an atomic either, so. No. I would not wish an atomic on anyone, even my worst enemy. No mm, way. I could probably think of some people who deserve it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but administering it would be hard, though. That's yeah. that's a lot of strength. That is. Yeah. And especially the fact you've got to go through, like, the shorts or the pants and then you've got to grab the underwear and then you got to, like, rip it. And then, you know, the guy might react and then might, you know, whack your hand out you know, of the way. You know what I mean? It's pretty... Uh, Pretty it's a hard lot of to do. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, you need to be like a. You need to have the hands of a surgeon to get it right. I think you probably need a couple of people. One person to restrain the uh, the, the the person receiving the wedgie, and then one person giving the wedgie. Yeah. Uh, a few fun facts about wedgies, actually. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. So, <laughs> now we don't read each other's notes before we go on air, so um, this is the first. Yeah. You know, this is like, I didn't know you were going to talk about wedgies. Why not? It's topical. <laughs> nice. I'll probably go off point more than more than wedgies. So Beautiful. You, you surprise me each week. Every week you've got something crazy. Anyway, tell yeah. me about wedgies. So not not much. Just a couple of uh, extra wedgie facts. Uh, just thought I'd wedge them in. Um, <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Never. So a Melvin is a wedgie from the front, which... Oh. Would you rather a wedgie from the front or the back? <laughs> the back, the back, any day, any totally, day of the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I want to have children when I'm older. So, true, you know. True, true. Don't wear lycra. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And this one, I don't know whether it would be possible, but it's it's a funny image to imagine. It's called the bra connection, and I guess you would only do it on a woman because mostly women only wear bras. Some, uh, some men might. Yeah, or bros. Or bros, <laughs> maybe. Man's, man's ear, ear. Bro. It's the bro. Man's ear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the bra connection so the uh, object of the bra connection wedgie is to attach the underwear to the bra i guess the clip oh so that it's permanently attached so that it's just a sustained wedgie 
Jeez. Yeah, which again would require a lot of coordination, a lot of control, and a lot of strength. Yeah. So I don't think it was possible, but it's yeah. funny to imagine. And you'd need some cronies like Mr. Heyman, you know, the, the, the school bullies, like the jocks. They It was actually them that wedged George, not the PE teacher. So you need some uh, some cronies to help you out too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So. And, and a couple of things as well before we do get into the... Um, character synopsis of bookman a couple of trivia facts so tropic of cancer just you're probably wondering you know what's the book i've Uh, heard of it yeah it's a novel written by henry miller and it was uh, published originally in 1934 uh the book centers on miller's life as a struggling writer he was living in paris at the time in the 30s and it was notorious uh, for its candid sexuality in quotes quote unquote yeah it was banned i think in america until 1961 uh that's correct yes uh the first edition of the book was banned in the u.s until that year Mm. uh and it's regarded as an important work of 20th century literature yeah 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 it's one of those books that i've always heard about but have never read Mm. like uh what's the book with dorian gray there's something with dorian gray picture of of dorian gray something like that it's a book that i'm aware of has a lot of that has a lot of literary importance but i've never gotten around to reading it but uh tropic of cancer actually has a sequel it does tropic Tropic of of capricorn sorry prequel a prequel it was written after but it was obviously a prequel yeah tropic of capricorn which is also referenced uh in seinfeld as well yeah that's actually the book that's uh yeah we'll we'll get into that it wraps up nicely yeah we will yeah and uh, at the start of the episode when um jerry tells kramer that he owes a book and he hasn't given it back since 1971 kramer says that if it's a nickel a day for 20 years it would come to fifty thousand dollars but if it's a dime a day it would cost a hundred thousand dollars that's between 1971 and the time it was aired in 1991 the episode in actual fact between 1970 and 1991 when the episode aired uh, if it was a nickel a day for 20 years, it would have only only gone up to $365.25 US cents. That's, uh... So Kramer claims it's going to be like $50,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's actually yeah. $365.25 US. Yeah, right. Yeah. I thought me calculating uh, the conversion of the soup Nazis <laughs> twice ago. was a bit too far, but nah, nah. You've, you've taken it to another level. I have. We have, we have to out-nerd each other every week. That's our challenge yeah. now. I just wanted to let you know, yeah, yeah. just in case you're wondering, like, oh, nickel a day for 20 is, yeah, $50,000. How much Kramer is a nickel? Is I think it's five cents. Is it five cents? Okay. I know a quarter is 25. A quarter is 20. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. If you're American, can you tell us, like, give us a rundown on your currencies? Yeah. I kind of forgot. I've been to America a couple of times, but I, I didn't bother finding out what the denominations were. It was just, this is a nickel. Okay, here's a nickel. Cool. Give me the thing now. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And that's so, how Nickelback got their name, too. When Chad, you heard the story? This was, I was having a lot of fun <laughs> until you pulled up that piece of shit and that piece of shit band. You're working at Starbucks. Do you want your nickel back? Oh, this is how you remind me. Hey, Chad, if you're, you're listening. podcast with you again. Oh, no, you will. You'll be back next week. True. Chad Kroger, if you're listening, hey, man. How you doing? <laughs> no, no, you can you can be kind. You're too nice. No, Chad I'm too Cro- nice. Oh, I want to be. I'm very diplomatic. I want everyone. If Chad loves Seinfeld and Chad wants to listen to us, I'm cool with that. That's I'm fine. a very open-minded person. I'm very welcoming of all sorts of people. I try and accept anyone's beliefs, anyone's background, anyone's opinions, whatever. Yeah, Nickelback are the exception. Fair enough. Yeah, and them Nickelback and Creed. Fans. And Creed. Give me Creed any day. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Can you take me high? I think we've got to go to a break now. <laughs> yeah, before we start singing 90s grunge songs. Exactly. When we come back, we'll talk about the secondary characters. We'll start with Lieutenant Bookman, and we're talking about the library. Yeah. Season 3, Episode 5 on But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. <laughs> Thank you. 
and you're listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and, in- and Instagram, and we're also on iTunes, mm. SoundCloud, YouTube, and Blogger. Yep. So just go on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages, and you'll have all the information there, and you can subscribe. Yeah, on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, give us uh yeah give us a review if you're so kind yeah give us five stars ideally if yeah you could. <laughs> as many stars as you feel that's yeah fine. you sound like a bad uber driver yeah <laughs> give yeah. me five stars no no i'm giving you four now here's your chewing gum and your bottled water can Ooh, i have five stars, five stars. No. no 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 four stars <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four if you didn't stars. ask you would have gotten five damn but because you asked you get a star deducted okay that's fine don't well, be that guy Evan. no no okay no. Whatever you think is right, let us know. We'd love to <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Drop us an email. Indeed. That's the point we're trying to make. Yeah. Drop us an email as well. B I D W B A S C podcast at gmail.com. Bidwabus. Bidwabus yep. podcast. <laughs> Drop us a line. All right. Secondary characters. We're focusing today on the library, season three, episode five of Seinfeld, our beloved show. Now, Stephen, we're gonna talk about Lieutenant Bookman. Yes, indeed. Uh, the library cop. Yes. And did you know Bookman is what's called an aptonym? So an aptonym is a word which has a meaning. So it basically means that their name is appropriate for their job. Okay. So i.e. book man working for a library. Hmm. What What was Kramer's example? Uh, it's an like an ice-, ice cream man being called Cone. That's right. Yeah. Which is a pretty dumb comparison. He's amazed and he's like, ah, oh, it's like a, a guy who works for, uh, uh, owns an ice cream van being named Cone. Yeah, that's surely, the idea. Surely he could have thought of a better example. I think that's the I think that's the funny part yeah, of the joke. Yeah, he yeah, just came true. up like, that's true, he that's thought, oh, what can I do to better this? Mm. Cone, ice cream. is like, oh, not quite, Kramer. Yeah, not bit quite. of an anticlimax. I give that a C plus B minus. Yeah. Yeah. A for effort. Yeah, A for maybe effort. Maybe D for execution. I think so. Yeah. I think that was the idea of the joke. Yeah. But it's a good line though. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Bookman, Stephen, the aptonym. Okay. Yeah. So the actor. Yes. I, I don't have his actor's name. His name's Philip Baker Hall. He okay. was born in 1931. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, his credits include roles, uh, particularly he's typecast more as like a government or military official in uh, certain films. Uh, he's been in films such as Air Force One, The Rock, and A Path to War. And uh, these kind of roles are considered, like I said, his typecast, like his trademark. And I think he was perfectly cast as Bookman. Yeah. I think he was the right guy for the job because he had that kind of military government kind of, you know, like ex-washed up detective. Yeah. You know, like the old American shows, like there's one called Dragnet and okay. then there's like Columbo. They're like these old washed not washed up but they're kind of like old weary detectives you know they've been in the game for like 40 years are you looking for is jaded the word you're looking for jaded yeah that's the one i'm looking for yeah you know they've seen it all and yeah they're grizzly they're grizzly yeah mm. i think bookman personifies that definitely really well i think but it's a nice throwback to those kind of even like film noir kind mm. of you know like she walked into my office that night yeah yeah you know yeah, referring yeah. to women as dames. Yeah, dames. Yeah, smoky jazz bars and, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think uh, I think Bookman was probably a uh, maybe a private dick at some point. I think so too. Yeah, that that's what I was about to say. I think he either has a military or government background, or he was a PI, like a private investigator, mm. or perhaps a detective in the police force. Um, Working in New York, that makes sense. Mm, makes perfect sense. Every time I think of a private detective, I always put them either in Chicago, Boston, or New York. Yep. Cold, northeastern American cities. Mm-hmm. That's so, a good one. Good yeah. geographic location. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And one thing that I, I noticed, the reason, like, for me, because on this show, we love theorizing and hypothesizing about the characters. So just a bit of a disclaimer, none of this is canon. So when we talk about characters like Bookman, yeah. we're not saying this is what he actually is. We're just hypothesizing. We're such big Seinfeld nerds that we love 
hypothesizing about the characters yeah we're just making up stuff basically uh i guess it's rooted in common sense um, but it's just a bit of an analysis a bit of fun yeah uh, so if you have any additional ideas or if you think some of our ideas are a bit silly just let us know or if you have like original like other ideas about yeah. bookman or any any character we've done the last few weeks let us know like we love to we love to get different theories we might even mention them in the next show yeah yeah so i think it's worth mentioning that the uh, actor philip baker hall yes was in curb your enthusiasm oh is that right yeah oh wow i've never seen curb I mean, neither I... have i i can't believe that yeah i can't believe I've never we're seen massive that, seinfeld fans and i love larry david but neither of us i've seen a bit of it here and there but i've never made an effort to to watch it as i have seinfeld i'm kind of like that with tv series i know that there's so many good new series i need to watch but then I think, I'll just watch Seinfeld because I know it's good. Or The yeah. Simpsons or The Sopranos or Oz, these reliable TV series. But probably got to make an effort for Curb. Yeah. But So I couldn't tell you what episode he's in or what character he plays or whether he's regular or one-off. But uh, obviously he's, he's, he's friends with Larry David or they loved him in, in this episode enough to bring him back for Curb. Just an interesting, an interesting point, I thought. I'd That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. No, I'm, I'm glad because, you know, he's a really good actor, and especially with Bookman. I, I'm not too familiar with his work. D- didn't you – you told me, I think, off air that he was in, like, a, a, a one-man show or a one-man movie? Yeah. Is that right? So it's a movie – I think it came out in the 60s or uh, yeah. the 70s. It was around the time Richard Nixon was president. It's called yep. Secret Honor. Yeah. And he plays Nixon, and he's the only person that's cast in the movie, apparently. Wow, okay, yeah. yeah. Apparently it's really awesome. There you go yeah cool i'll check so, that one out yeah definitely it yeah, sounds really yeah. good yeah it does um do you think that he's been a library cop his whole career or this is the last part of uh, uh, an ongoing career in various law enforcements well funny you mention that because right at the end when jerry pays the check you know after all the, the crap he's gone through just you know to try and fight his case about not you know having the book you know eventually it was found that he never returned the book because george was wedged and then forgot to do it um uh, the bookman says you know like jerry says something like what's your problem blah 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 and bookman says something like what do you know have you ever killed a man have you ever seen your friend die in front of you or something like that a friend being killed in front of you or ever killed a man something like that to me it sounds like he's got like ptsd or maybe when he was a detective or he had his partner and then his partner got shot you know what I mean? Like maybe something happened and then he was so, like you mentioned the word jaded before. Maybe yeah. he was just so jaded by the police force. He thought, I'm going to do something a bit more niche and a bit more simple. I'm going to be a library investigations officer. I'm going to take my investigative sleuth skills and I'm going to apply them to the library. Do you think he books. maybe thought that the uh, the library cop industry was under-resourced or under-skilled maybe? I and think he was that gonna, he was going to raise the bar. I think there was no library cop. I, to me, I think he's a pioneer of it. I don't think there's actually a library investigations officer until he came in. Okay. I reckon he came in and he did mention when he did his monologue in Jerry's apartment, he did mention that 1971 was a bad year for books. <laughs> and to me, another another part of his personality that I, that I think, I think he loves books. Okay. I, I think I could imagine he's got like mahogany bookshelves. I, I could imagine he's got like a huge apartment and he's got like mahogany bookshelves, mahogany desk books covered in rich mahogany like ron burgundy yeah you know he's got like all these books lined up and i think he appreciates literature okay so that's... timing tells me that's like his kind of his passion yeah that would explain his uh his his overprotectiveness of books yes and he's clearly a rigid man and he clearly hates the counterculture movement of the 60s you know like the hippies and that sort of stuff yeah he was very like straight hard-edged kind of guy he, yeah i reckon he would have said get a job hippie or get a haircut hippie yeah. a lot Instead of listening to, like, the Rolling Stones, you would have listened to, like, big bands or, you know, that kind of 
music, you know. Do you reckon like, maybe Credence Clearwater Revival? Uh, probably too rocky for him. Yeah. Because he does say rock was never my thing. True. That's one of his lines. True. Rock was never my... Let me just bring that up. I thought maybe if, if, we're, if we're theorizing that he had some sort of military background. Yeah. Because he talks about... Uh, he asked Jerry has he ever killed a man. Yeah. I know Credence Clearwater. Is it the red, the white, and the blue? That's a song about Vietnam. I don't know if it's an anti-war song. No, I think, song it's, or... I think the song's Fortunate Son, but I think the one the lines uh, is red, white, and blue. Oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. Fortunate, fortunate Son. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just associate them with the military for some reason. I think in Forrest Gump as well, there's that scene where they're flying helicopters yeah, over Vietnam. Yeah, and that's played on it too, yeah. Because yeah, it came out around Vietnam. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Was that an anti-war song? I think. It sounds like it's probably yeah, like yeah, a protest song. It's probably like a protest song. You know, like yeah. Born in the USA. People think, yeah, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, but it's actually like protest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Americans aren't as good as they actually are. You, you are. Know? You're all lovely. I oh, know, you're lovely, but I'm just saying, you know, the boss said it like that way. Oh, showing your true colors there, Ivan. Red, white, and blue, man. <laughs> United States. Now we love you. That's if the you're color from of the Australian flag, too. Uh, yeah. The British flag. It is, funnily enough. Mm. Now we love you, America. We love you. If you're listening in Australia, anywhere in the world, thank you. Thank you so much for supporting us. It's great. Yeah, we love everyone. We do. and But that line that I was going to say, he doesn't like Credence and other rock music because one of his lines, he says, rock was never my bag. Mm. So he clearly was against counterculture. And the Stones, those kind of bands like Credence were associated with like rock or the, the counterculture, you know. So I reckon he was more like a big band kind of guy, maybe like crooners, you know, like very safe kind of music, not really edgy kind of music. Something a bit more wholesome. A bit more wholesome. I think he's a very wholesome man. And I think reading is his passion. And he saw the hippies burn books and he thought, that's it. Either either he, you know, he thought, that's it. I'm going to go straight into it. I'm going to go straight into library investigations. Or he had an accident or he saw his mate get shot or something. And he thought, no, nah, I can't do it. I think it's more of like the fact it was a response to the, the 60s and the counterculture, free love, all that kind of stuff. He thought, yeah. nah, that's it. People are starting to throw away books, are starting to watch TV. TV started to become a big thing around that time. He thought people are being dumb. You know, we got to get make sure the kids of the future pick up a book without any pee-pees or wee-wees in the cat in the hat or the five Chinese brothers. Yes. Does that turn you on, Seinfeld? Does that how you get your kicks with your buddies, with your buds? Oh, so good. Yeah. So, so, so good. Yeah. If you think this is about overdue phones and missing books, you better think again. Yeah. I I was wondering as well, kind of going on the same lines as the, uh, the, the music shop owner in, in the last episode, where he's kind of maybe washed up. Okay. Um, that's, that's something I was starting to think about where he, you know, initially he seems like a really good, he seems really good at his job and he, he is, he's obviously very, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, a bloodhound for books basically. Yeah, of course. But maybe he wasn't good enough or maybe he was too rigid to actually be a real cop. And this was the only option he had kind of, you know, how they say security guards are sort of wannabe cops, just mock, <laughs> yeah. mocking them kind yeah. of in that, in that, in, the, you know, around that idea where you can't be a real cop. So this is the you know, you're one level below a real cop. Yeah, yeah, thing. right. Yeah, but what you've said makes a bit more sense where he probably had a, a colourful career in law enforcement. And or even military. private investigating. Yeah, in various BI forms of, yeah. you know, law enforcement, detective work, whatever. And this is kind of his, maybe it was too much. Maybe he did this to, to de-stress a bit. Maybe, but I like your theory too. I like the fact that he wasn't, I wouldn't say cut out for law enforcement, but he just wasn't his his bag, as he'd say. Yeah, and I don't he went straight it, into library uh, investigations. Yeah, I don't think it was a lack of intelligence or, or or cunning or willingness. It was probably just square peg in a round hole. I think so. Yeah, he yeah, was, that's he was, a good theory. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, he's a mysterious man. He is with uh, excellent monologues. Totally. <laughs>
You love his monologues. Oh, I love them. They're the best. Do you want to give us one? Uh, actually, yeah, I will. I will. Uh, okay, I won't I won't go too long. It's like the first thing he says when he's in Jerry's apartment, he goes, yeah, 71. That was my first year on the job. Bad year for libraries, bad year for America. Hippies burning library cards, Abby Hoffman telling everybody to steal books. I don't judge a man by the length of his hair or the kind of music he listens to. Rock was never my bag. But you put on a pair of shoes when you walk around the New York Public Library, fella. Mm. And I love I love when he's you know he's trying to get Jerry's attention and he pulls out his finger and he goes look look here he's just like he just pulls out his finger yeah. when he's like halfway through a sentence he's like yeah look here he demands he commands respect he commands respect yeah he does totally you can't look away <laughs> no you can't yeah and you can't turn away <laughs> yeah I think it's worth mentioning as well that he's actually in the last episode oh the finale yeah he's ah. one of the witnesses that testify against Jerry of course he is yes yeah, so yes I, I don't think he has much of a role just other than testifying on the stand yeah um, just basically kicking kicking the four of them while they're down yeah along with everyone else who he's screwed up I think he's mostly kicking Jerry though because he oh yeah he doesn't really have any maybe Kramer I can't remember oh uh, yeah because, I know because he's got with the librarian but no mostly Jerry he's mostly got, Jerry. he's got it in Jerry. Jerry yeah and he said to Jerry like if you do something like this again I'll be on to you like a pit bull on, on a, a poodle and he's in the courtroom he's like I've got you again Seinfeld yeah he's a man like, I'm the pit bull now. You're the poodle. Yeah. You're the poodle on the stand. Yeah, waiting so, to get judged. So overall, uh, a very serious man. Yes, takes his job very seriously. Yes. Do you think he has much else on in his life? Do you think he works a lot of hours, and this is kind of his whole life, other than maybe sleeping and reading? I think that's his life. I think that's all he's got. Do you think he's got family or mm. or, or, or like I think he's much alone. of a social circle? Not much. No. Do you think someone like that, if that's who he really is, and that's just not his sort of job self, if you like, mm-hmm. do you think it would be hard to be friends with him? Mm, I don't know. I'd find it difficult for someone who took anything that seriously, really. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, it's all good to take your job seriously, but not to that degree. Yeah. Especially like in when Mary and the librarian, who we're going to talk about very shortly, and Kramer, when they sneak into the library after hours and they yell and they go, hello, hello, hello. You know, the echoing? Yeah. Hello. And then Bookman comes out and he's like, hello, and he's there. Yeah. I think he's very devoted to the library. I think the library's kind of like his second home, if not his main home. Maybe he sleeps in the library. His sanctuary. Maybe. He's, yeah. he's got his books. And I told you he has an, an, a, a fascination for books and literature. Totally. So he's in, he's in his, he's a master of his own domain, I mm. guess you'd say. Another mm. reference in Seinfeld, <laughs> if you get what I mean. Master of, master of his domain. <laughs> yes. Yes. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yes. That's something I don't want to know. That's a part of his character we don't want to explore. We'll, um... I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> if, if he was part of that competition, he would have won. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I reckon he would just win by default. I yeah. don't reckon he does. I don't. I reckon he's 100% of the time the master of his domain. He could have held out from 1971 to 91, I reckon. I reckon, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon he's been the master since he even knew what being the master meant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's Bookman. So that's uh, the main character of the library. The, yeah. one who, the one who I think brings the episode up a few notches. Like totally. Bookman's we good. were saying at the start that the, the episode without Bookman and arguably some of the lines is pretty forgettable. Yes, I it's, think so. It's not terrible, mm. but it's... Just a bit average. Especially the B story with Elaine and Lippmann. Just, just seems like it was just tacked on at the last second. I don't yeah. think it's... Yeah. It wasn't really... I didn't feel like there was a proper ending to it. Like, he had... She had marrying the librarian's poems, and, and off screen, he gives them... She gives them to Lippmann mm. in a meeting, and then Lippmann doesn't like them. And I'm thinking, that's it. It's like, oh, okay, he didn't like the poems. Mm. It's a bit flat. Yeah. It's kind of... It feels like maybe when they were writing it, they had some ideas floating around, and they kind of just put them in there to fill it out a bit yeah. to make it a 22 minute episode because if you consider George and Heyman that's I guess a B story of sorts 
but they've kind of integrated it into the A story. You know how, like, George gets weeged by Heyman and his cronies. Totally. Yeah. But they actually incorporate, you know, that could have been like a separate plot. Yeah. Maybe, like, the book, Tropic of Cancer, maybe had nothing to do with George and mm. Mr. Heyman. That could have been a separate thing. You know, George was on the way and he saw Heyman, and that could have been a separate, like, B story. And Elaine could have been the C story. But they actually integrated that, the B story into the A story. They did. So Elaine's story, I guess, is like the B story. B with a, sm- with a small B. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Capital A and two small Bs. I think so, yeah. Capital A. Do you think they could have done away with Elaine's story or minimised it and then elaborated a bit on George's story? I reckon it would have been good if it was, like, off-screen. You know, like, Elaine would come in and go, oh, I was at work today and they forgot my lunch. And it was all off-screen, like, all the events. It was just mentioned rather than... Yeah, mentioned and referenced throughout the episode, yeah. I reckon that would have been a bit better, with more focus on the library and, and Heyman, I think. Because some of the scenes that George talks about, now that I think about it, would be funny if they were actually shown. Like, him getting an atomic wedgie. Yeah. It is funny the fact that he just recounts this story. And yeah. the way it's delivered is really what is is really good too. But yeah. if that was shown, or even the lead up to that, where maybe they would film uh, uh, Heyman and George interacting on the stairs of the public library and then cut away before the wedgie. Yeah. And then he comes into the apartment with his underwear yeah. over his head or something like that, rather than filming at Elaine's office. And, and yeah, I, I, I never thought about that. Yeah, that, that's the way I would have done it. But anyway, you can't you can't retroactively change it. And it's no, done. and we're not professional done. writers. So. Yeah, not. That's why we're just doing podcasts. Yeah, no, exactly. podcasting's awesome. Yeah, we're writing hacks. <laughs> no. We can only talk, we can't write. Yeah. Let's get on to the second character, Stephen. Who are we talking about now? Uh, we're talking about the librarian. Yes, also yeah. known as Marion. And you know her name because when Kramer reads her literature her poetry which isn't that good by the way she goes oh mary marion poetry is so beautiful as he's wallowing and crying i didn't pick up on that yeah marion that's her name very well picked up on yeah thank you i've just got here in my notes here is the librarian oh, marion there you go mm-hmm. so and uh, she's credited as marion yes so uh her name is ashley gardner that's right yes she's south african born yes but she's american she's an american actress uh, I think she's most well-known for voicing some King of the Hill characters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's uh, voiced Nancy Hicks Gribble, Diddy Hill, Reverend Karen Strope, or Stroop. Never watched King of the Hill. No, I can't say I have either. Love everything that Mike Judge does. Funnily enough, we were talking about uh, Mike Judge and Beavis and Butthead a bit, a bit, uh, bit earlier. Yes. And I've seen a bit of King of the Hill, and it's, it's fine, but I just don't... I think it's more subtle, slow humor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not really my bag, but... Uh, that's apparently what she's most well known for. I might give it a watch just to to see if I can pick up on uh, who who she voices. Yeah, uh, I did read an interesting thing uh, about her. Apparently, she garnered a lot of critical acclaim in 1991. She acted in a play. Yes, it may have been on Broadway. I don't I don't know the size of the production or or whether it was a high profile play, but she acted uh, as a lesbian who transitions to a man. Ah, oh, okay, in the yeah. Play. Yeah. Uh, I don't know much more than that. I just sort of uh, nicked that off, uh, I think, off Wikipedia or something. But, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting thing. And I think in 1991, playing uh, playing a character who goes through that experience is, is probably pretty boundary-pushing, I'd say. I'd say so at the time, especially, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that would be a pretty pretty hard thing for anyone to to deal with you know sort of gender dysmorphia or anything like that or dysphoria so doing it well and doing it in a sensitive way that garners critical acclaim yeah that's uh that's that's pretty good uh pretty good skills very good skills yeah so her character in the episode kramer kind of does a bit of our job where he sums he, he kind of when he first goes into the library he sees her working behind the counter and he sort of just talks to jerry and he 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 kind of just sums her up in a in a really quick way and I think it's pretty accurate for the most part. 
you know on a on a general level he uh, yeah yeah I mean, so it's like she's she's a, she's lonely she's yeah. something virgin yeah that, <laughs> she needs a bit of love that might she be needs a bit, a bit of tenderness <laughs> she needs a little bit of creamer. creamer and then jerry goes she needs a little bit of a shot of penicillin <laughs> yeah typical jerry response <laughs> i know Just shutting <laughs> shutting his dreams down i know bringing him down to reality i don't think that affected kramer totally the best i reckon the best part of the of that was was when bookman is about to leave jerry's apartment and opens the door and then marion's outside of kramer's door and then marion spots book bookman because she's meant to be at work and then kramer just drags like kramer opens the door and then marion just runs into the apartment as yeah. bookman's turning around yeah oh that's good it's a good joke Perfect. yeah, yeah. anyway so, so, so um yeah so marion I, I think personally i was trying to think of i was trying to think of something a bit more interesting than just the typical librarian cliche of someone who's a bit bit lonely a bit timid a bit introverted um you know repressed in a lot of ways yeah maybe yeah a wild side that's that's too easy yeah it is yeah. i mean she portrays a lot of those characteristics and she plays into that stereotype a lot but if that was the case maybe i don't know i was trying to think of what like what what would make her that way if that was the case do you think something traumatic happened or do you think she's just an introverted person i don't know something uh, well, i could probably surmise that she is actually just introverted yeah yeah i think she think she's an introvert and I don't think she's a virgin. <laughs> well, who, who are we to who are we to judge that? Uh, True. Yeah, it's none of our business. Really. No, it's not. No. Even if it was. No. Um, no, I just think she's an introvert. Yeah. And then Kramer comes along, and I think the fact that you know she's got low self esteem, low self confidence. I don't know, like, because with Kramer, it's the first time you actually see that Kramer can pick up women, like yeah. beautiful women. You think, oh, you know, we've seen him a couple of times with like strange looking like eccentric women yeah like, kind of like him mm. like his kind of manner and his dress sense and stuff but yeah. then in this episode she's very straight edge librarian yeah you know yeah you, you would think again stereotypes i don't like them but you know they're, they're part of part of uh part of life but if you were to imagine her ideal partner it wouldn't be kramer i don't think so maybe no. it takes a kramer to bring bring something extra out of her yeah to maybe. get her out of her shell i think so yeah. she's kramer i guess would be good for her totally yeah yeah do you think she'd be good for kramer she'd settle him down do you think it's possible to de kramer kramer <laughs> you can't de kramer the kramerist kramerist kramer in the world would can you, you would you want to no if kramer no. was part of your life if he was your neighbor you live in an apartment here if if kramer was your neighbor who just barged in every day and ate out of your fridge and came up with wacky zany ideas how, how would you feel about that well as long as he didn't invade my fridge that's fine true but he can come in yeah he'd be like hey i'd like to have a kramer in my life me too yeah me especially too. if i was a shy librarian I think, yeah, I think I need a Kramer to bring it out of me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, likewise. Yeah. No, I need a Kramer. Yeah, so I think... <laughs> we all need a Kramer. Totally. There's a Kramer in all of us. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Not the librarian. <laughs> well, sometimes when I, I don't give it a, get a haircut, I've got, like, wild hair. Sometimes my aunt says to me, you look like Kramer. Because mm. I have, like, my hair, like, spiked up when it's mm. too long. It's like, I don't know, it's just high up. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, I, you I look can't, like Kramer. And I'm like, I, oh. I can't enjoy the Kramer hair. I'm, I'm, I'm losing hair. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so... So you're George. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. So. I mean, in terms of hair, not. Uh, <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. So, I was trying to think of uh, a comparison to the librarian to like another character, fictional or, or otherwise. And for some reason, Lisa Simpson popped into my head. Lisa. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so you're saying she's got some sort of intelligence, like I think a she's, breadth of intelligence. I definitely. I think she's intellectual. Okay. I mean, she's she's interested in in poetry. She can't she write it though. 
<laughs> well, art is subjective. So, <laughs> True. Yes. Uh, I'll just look at my Monet. Okay. Uh, you actually have a Monet on your wall. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a, Star Wars it's actually Monet. And a Batman and Robin <laughs> Monet. Original, <laughs> the original, original 60s, 60s Batman, Batman yeah. and Robin Monet. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's and, and, I've got, yeah and I've got a Legend of Zelda poster in the back. Yes. Too. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway, enough of uh, Ivan's room. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I think she's. I think she's highly intelligent. And I've always associated creativity with intellectualism, with introversion. Like those three in my head go together okay. in a lot of ways. Yep. Uh, and the fact that she works at a library, I think I think she's kind of like Bookman in that books are her passion. She yeah. holds literature in the highest esteem. She sure does. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's it's hard to get away from that cliched librarian because she she that is who the character is when yeah. when you see her on screen. And I think I think that that was the archetype that they were basing the character on. Yeah. So it's hard to get away from that. Um, and Kramer kind of sums her up anyway in a in a pretty accurate way. Yeah, he's already done our job. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, Kramer. Maybe. Yeah. Thanks, Michael Richards. Kramer. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, writers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess that's her. But uh, there is a third main secondary character. Yes, and we'll have a little break, and then yeah. we'll come back and we'll talk about Mr. Heyman, and then. A minor character, Sherry Baker. Yeah, and a couple of others will tack on the end. Yeah, a couple of little ones. Can't stand you. Can't stand you. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. And we're an Australian podcast and we're focused on the secondary characters of Seinfeld. And uh, each week we have an episode of Seinfeld and we talk about the minor and secondary characters that make it awesome or even more awesome than the main four. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they, they flesh it out into the amazing show it is. Yes. And today we're talking about The Library, Season 3, Episode 5. We've already talked about uh, Bookman, the main secondary character, the library investigative officer. <laughs> he's, a, he's a character and a half. Yes. Uh, and then we've talked about the librarian who Kramer uh, goes out with. Her name's Marion. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple more characters now, or a few more. Uh, Mr. Heyman now, George and Jerry's PE teacher, or physical education teacher. Can't stand you. Can't stand you, who gives George a wedgie in the past and in the present, or present at the time of recording. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's consistent. You've got to give him that. Yeah, and he's got baked bean teeth as well. <laughs> When they, you, I think they mention his baked bean teeth before you see his baked bean yeah, teeth. Yeah, that's and right. And when you see his teeth, <laughs> they're I could, actually I baked think, bean. I couldn't think of a more apt description. <laughs> yeah. You think, oh, that's a bit. That's a bit of a weird thing to describe his teeth as. And then he smiles in, in yeah. George's flashback. Yeah. And you, I can't think of a better way to describe his teeth other than a, a mouthful of baked beans. If you put some toast next to it, you think, oh, that's a good breakfast. <laughs> an English breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an American breakfast. Oh, uh, you just put me off my dinner. I think I have. Sorry. Your, your strawberries. <laughs> that's <right>. Liquid dinner. <laughs> your strawberries. Or half a punnet of strawberries. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and your water. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah, just a bit about Heyman. He's obviously a, a bully. Yeah. He's a massive bully. Yeah. Um, he's a, I would say he's a smoker. Yeah, he definitely is with his with his yeah. uh, teeth. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he looks after himself very well. For a gym teacher, he's quite uh, husky, I guess you could say. Yes. He's, he's certainly not trim and fit and athletic. Definitely not. Uh, probably an alcoholic probably eats terribly i would say it's a lot of fast food yeah probably just doesn't look after his body you know which again is ironic for a gym teacher something tells me like you know a lot of gym teachers or pe teachers they're like ex-athletes or they played sport something tells me he never played sport or he was a teacher in something else and yeah. then he went into gym yeah i think that's fair i think it was a case of 
maybe he wasn't specialized or good enough to be a teacher of English or science. Mm. And that was kind of just where he ended up. Um, Because he kind of, he's like the leader, he's like the bully leader of of a pack of jocks. Yeah, yeah. But he can't actually back it up with any sort of athleticism or, he he could probably be good at like shot put or something, but I couldn't see him running track or doing high jump or something based on athleticism as opposed to power and force and strength. I mean, he can't even do a wedgie. That's George. true. That's true. Yeah, he needs he needs his uh, his his high school cronies yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um. And the actor, his name was his Biff Yeager. Biff Biff Yeager or Yeager Y E A G E R. I think it's Yeager. Yeager, which is a just a tremendous name. Biff. He is. Anyone? I didn't think that anyone in real life was named Biff. I always thought it was just Back to the Future. Oh, Biff. Uh, you know, Marty. Both Marty's uh, arch nemesis. Yes. But when I saw this, when we were doing our research, and I saw his name was Biff. <laughs> And I had to check if it was his real name. Yeah. And it is. That is his real name. It might not be his birth name, but that's his name that he goes by. Excellent. I'd I take could, that. Yeah, totally. I changed my name to Biff. Yeah, and I think it's quite fitting. Kind of a, uh, what was it again? An aptonym. An aptonym. In, in a yeah. way. Yeah. But, you know, his real life name is kind of yes. a semi-aptonym for his character. Yeah. You know, so it, He's a jock. Yeah, so an aptonym, in case you missed the first bit, an aptonym is, it's essentially someone who does an occupation or does something but it fits their name yeah like in this case bookman works for the library yeah cone would be an ice cream name like grandma <laughs> said um and biff jaeger would be a gym teacher a gym teacher yes <laughs> that's um, probably the weakest of the acronyms yes and uh, the actor himself he's been in edward scissorhands edward and batman returns yeah uh, his major uh well his big roles the one that stood out to me mostly other than edward scissorhands because i love that film was sid and nancy Ah, oh, okay. It's a it's a it's a film about Sid Vicious yeah. and Nancy from the Sex Pistols. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I've got to rewatch that because I don't remember who he is. He was also in the Wonder Years. Sid and Nancy. Let me find that. I've got his bio here. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm so, not sure. He, he was in the. He had a pretty good TV career as well. He was in the Wonder Years. Yeah, Star Trek Next Generation. Okay. Uh, and Gilmore Girls. Yeah, in the latest series. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he was in the. Was and, that a Netflix series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Okay, I that don't one. think I've ever seen any and, Gilmore Girls. And he was in the uh, the previous Gilmore Girls too. Uh, yes, he was in a few episodes. He okay. played Tom. Yeah. Tom. Thirteen or uh, thirteen episodes. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, do you think? Do you think him as a character? Do you think he's? I think he's always been a jock. I don't you think so. You, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it's a case of maybe when he was, you know, the bullies that that pick on George, his underlings. I think that was him when he was younger, maybe in the fifties. I think so too. School. I think so. You know, I think he's just the same person, and he's trying to find like-minded people, and he can find a couple of other bullies who pick on easy targets like George because he's probably not that athletic himself, mm. and. I, I just think that's always been who he is. He's yeah. just been a, a an obnoxious jock. Yeah, an obnoxious jock. Yeah, okay, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, and um, yeah, obviously the uh, again, he, I, I'm just thinking he he's kind of an archetype that like like the librarian, like Marion, yeah, yeah, um, where you know he's it's hard to hypothesize because his character kind of the way he acts on screen kind of writes who he would be if he were real and if he had a, a life outside of the school or outside of what you see him on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I guess one interesting thing to consider is, though, what happened between, uh, you know, his high school gym uh, gym teacher career and him being a bum? Uh, well, I think because in that episode, George squealed on him. Mm. So I think at the time, maybe when he got fired, mm. he probably found it very hard to get work. True. Because, you know, in this day and age, if you try to pull a wedgie on a kid... Totally. Oh, you you would have lost a job. You'd, you'd probably, probably be doing some jail time. Jail time too, yeah. Whereas yeah. back in the 70s, I'm sure you still would have been reprimanded, not jail. 
Yeah, I think I think teachers could get away with that sort of stuff. Anyone in authority could probably get. They probably had a lot less accountability. Or, to, um, yeah, to, to you know, to what is physical assault. But I think as well, maybe Heyman. He was at JFK High School, which is where Jerry and George went to school. Mm. And after he got fired, I reckon he went to other schools, and he probably did the same thing or similar. Do you think? And he's eventually, got a, a he's trail, got a whole chain. A trail of a trail of destruction a trail of, of wedges a trail of broken underwear yes I think <laughs> a trail of Melvins of Melvins which is a, which is a, which is a front wedgie in case you missed the start oh yowch <laughs> yeah I well think... at least at least he's uh, organising wedgies for the students to do he's not doing the wedgies that's true well not not until the end but uh and I think his insatiable appetite for wedgies and picking <laughs> on nerds and geeks like George yeah I think eventually it I think it ruined. I think the education board probably went to him and said, "Look, blacklisted him. You're terrible. Yeah, yep. you're not going to get a job anywhere ever again. Totally. We'll make sure of it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm sure that's happened to people in real life where they're just completely unsuitable for a certain career or job or whatever. But then they can transition into something else, and you know, that requires confidence and like, okay, well, now what do I do and figure out the next step? I think, you know, a lot of bullies, a lot of people who who get satisfaction and enjoyment out of making other people feel bad have a lot of self-loathing they a lot do self-hatred especially yes you know do. and really low and you know that they fill that black hole with you know the suffering of others it, yeah it's you know vicarious joy i guess but from other suffering so i think yeah after he was fired he probably that was the last straw it probably tipped him over the edge probably had some sort of breakdown i would say maybe he um, was married and had divorce and yeah wife took custody of the kids took the house took the yeah. car took took everything totally yeah i think it all spiraled out of control pretty quickly and you know he's probably been homeless unfortunately for a long time yeah well you know at the end how it, it's revealed that the tropic of cancer so the book that jerry allegedly handed back to the library it was with Heyman. In his stash, you know, uh, in the alley where you find that he's there and he's saying, can't stand you, can't stand you. Isn't it in his trolley as he's scuttling away? No, no, no. He's lying in, it's like in the alleyway. He's like in, covered in his filth. Okay. And then he's like, can't stand you, can't, he's looking at the camera. Mm. And then the camera pans down and there's the Tropic of Cancer, but it's all like worn out. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Why would he have gotten the book? Because George dropped it when he got wedgied. I was thinking that. Why at, would he have taken it? I, at first, I thought maybe it was a memento to... Ah, to, to what he did? Okay, yeah, because yeah, he got so much pleasure out of it. Yeah. He relished it It was so a reminder to, of the better times. You maybe, know, when, yeah. When he was an employed bully as opposed to a homeless bully. Oh, good point. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. that's that's fair, yeah. Yeah. But what, do you think that's... Yeah. I don't know. I, I never understood that. I, I didn't really think about that too much, but nah. that's the only thing I could come up with. And uh, just to elaborate a bit, so the whole time, the whole episode we've been talking about the Tropic of Cancer turns out in a in a funny and hilarious plot twist. It's actually the Tropic of Capricorn. That's the book that he has. Yeah. Jerry thinks that he has the Tropic of Cancer, but it's actually the Tropic of Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, the Tropic of Capricorn, no, he had both books, but the Tropic of Capricorn he returned, but he was meant to give George the Tropic of Cancer. Um, and that's why Heyman, because George was about to go to the library to hand it back, and then he got wedged by Heyman and his cronies. Right. And that's where the book, you know, the, the camera focuses on the book being dropped. Okay. So that's why the Tropic of Cancer never made it back to the library. Right. Yeah, and okay. that's when Heyman picked it up. Thanks for that. Yeah. Picking up my mistakes. No, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. No, no, it's pretty It's pretty hot at the moment in uh, it, it Australia, is. Melbourne, where we are. So, it's uh, 33 yeah. and muggy as hell. It, so. Yeah, I know. It's it's really weird. It's not, yeah. it's unseasonal hot weather. Yeah, I feel so. like we're back in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... That's that's kind of it for the main secondary characters. So we'll, so we'll just touch briefly on the the, the last couple of uh, secondary characters. Yeah. 
Uh, I guess most notably to start would be Sherry Becker. Sherry Becker, yeah, who was a bombshell in her yearbook. Mm. Um, but then when you see her uh, all those years later when Jerry meets up to try and get, you know, figure out or follow the, the trace back to where the book went, she's, uh, yeah, definitely, well, she talks about her kids, so I'm guessing she's married. Yeah, Jerry Jerry, Jerry feels like, uh, you know, her... her Jerry's he feels a, lucky. He's like, oh, yes. Yeah, and then, and then he's a bit <laughs> underwhelmed by her just i guess just her presence yeah because especially he he fantasizes or there's like a flashback at the start where it has her she's like a teenager and then she's wearing like an orange dress and she's like a gorgeous woman yeah you know and then he's probably thinking sherry's still looks like that sherry and then she just looks like you know she's had a few kids and she's let herself go and yeah you know Mm. um the actress herself so before you get into that the actress uh was played by cynthia zagetti uh, she was born in 1949, and she was an actress known for uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Repo Man, and Hunk, a movie in 1987. She actually passed away last year on August 10th. Yeah, I, I read that. It was mm. pretty sad. Yeah, very and sad. I didn't realize that she had such a, I guess, a pivotal and influential role in so many other comedians' lives. So she either owned or worked for a, uh, I guess you would call it a comedy school in Los Angeles called Groundlings. And she was an acting coach. Yeah, right, okay. Mm, And uh, some of the students that she helped uh, shape over time were Conan O'Brien. Yeah, wow. Lisa Kudrow and uh, a bunch of others. So, yeah, I I read some some pretty amazing quotes about her when when she passed. So, yeah, I I think she was a pretty amazing person. And I do recognize her from movies. I've seen her in probably uh, National Lampoons, but other bits and pieces. I reckon when when we rewatched this episode, I recognized her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But she was obviously more of a behind the scenes coach rather than a, you know, an A-listed sort of actor, I guess. Absolutely. And she was 66. So uh, rest in peace. Yeah, totally. You did. You did good. Yeah, she did. Definitely made an impression. So yeah. 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 So overall, I I think also as well before we do get to the final character, I think with her, I think she was you know because she, she reminisces about them reading Tropic of Capricorn, which was very had sexual overtones in the book, and she she remembers the words word for word. She reads it like a passage from the of the book from her mind. I think she still hangs on to the past. Yeah. Yeah. I feel she's still reliving her glory days. You know, she has a family, and she, I'm sure she loves them, but then. You know, she's reminiscing, oh, when you and I would read Tropic of Capricorn, Jerry, I was in my purple dress and I ate dentine. Was mm. it dentine? Oh, I don't like licorice, licorice <laughs> gum. Yeah. Because he was, Jerry insisted that she ate licorice gum. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I hate licorice gum. Ugh. Terrible. Never. Yeah. I think uh, that obviously both of those books were, were pivotal parts of her development. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's so what made w- her her. Watermarks in her life, I guess. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously they're still still really important to her. The fact mm. that she can still remember a passage word for like word right off the bat, yeah. twenty or thirty years later, that's that's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, I mm. can't even remember what I ate for breakfast. <laughs> if it wasn't for Ivan, I didn't even know what we'd be podcasting about. Yeah, so, I know, I yeah. know, crazy. Good and on see you, Sherry. Things I do for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on you, Jerry. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the final character, I guess that we'll touch on is uh, Mr. Lipman. Yes. Which is uh, Elaine's boss. So this is Mr. Lippman's uh, first appearance as That's a character. Right. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, he uh, is played by a different actor. So yeah. uh, Not the first time it's happened on Seinfeld, by the way. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm sure over the uh, upcoming episodes, we'll, we'll mention where actors have been replaced and whatnot. Most notably, uh, Jerry's dad. Yes. I think it was in one or maybe two episodes. Yeah. And then the classic Jerry's dad came in. But uh, And yeah. also George's dad. 
That's true. He was a different. He wasn't um, Jerry Stiller. That's true. Who the one we know and love the yeah, most? He yeah. was played by another man. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So we'll uh, we'll obviously go into those in a bit more detail when we get around to doing those characters. But uh, uh, yeah, so Elaine works at the time in season three at Pendant Publishing. I think she's a copywriter. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, in this episode, Mister Lippman is portrayed not only by a different actor, but his character is a bit different to sort mm-hmm. of how he'll be in future episodes. He's a bit more kind of disinterested yeah he doesn't really regard elaine when she comes up to uh you know to talk to him and, and offer him ideas and yeah. stuff he's just sort of you know just brushes her off mm. um yeah uh so so later on he's i, I didn't catch the actor's name who played uh, him in this episode you yeah. probably did so the actor who played mr Lipman in this one was harris shaw mm-hmm. uh, but the one that we know the most is richard fancy yeah and he's the most well-known totally too. Yeah. yeah, and he goes through a bit of a, a weird sort of character arc over about oh. nine seasons yeah. uh, where he's he's mostly uh, Elaine's boss at Pendant Publishing. He fires George for having sex with, a, I think, a cleaner yes. on his desk. He's employed uh, for one day. One day, that's right. <laughs> one day, George. Yeah. George, yes. That's totally. right. And then he, uh, he he opens up like a muffin top business. Yeah, and then his, yeah. son, his son tries to uh, crack onto Elaine. Yeah, at his bar mitzvah. Yeah, because he's a man. A bit entitled, mate. But, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Lane's a very attractive lady, but that's true. you shouldn't do that to a, a no, woman. No, Not nice. Not to anyone. No. Um, yeah, so, I mean, who who Lippman is is kind of, it's in the episodes in the future. Yeah, In this yeah. episode, he's in it for, what, 30 seconds? So, it's yeah. not really worth elaborating on too much, but we thought it was worth a mention because, not only because it's uh, an actor change, but because you know he is a, uh, a, 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 a an important secondary character yep. in future episodes. In, yes, indeed. Yeah, and just a couple like very minor characters, like very very minor. Um, there was uh, Lippman's secretary, yep. who says, "Oh, uh, when Elaine says, oh, well, how come no one's talking to me, or how come where's my lunch?" Yeah, oh, Elaine's we've a bit got paranoid. to ask you. Yeah, a bit paranoid. Yeah, Elaine's a bit paranoid. She thinks that she's going to get fired because uh, her colleagues didn't include her in their lunch ordering. Yeah. And the the secretary just doesn't doesn't care doesn't care completely despondent yeah totally disinterested yeah she's probably a bit lazy as well right, probably so. just doesn't care yeah um, that's maybe, all we can say really yeah other than that she's doesn't really have much screen time and uh, the last one which uh, is worth a mention as well is the shusha shh, shh, shh. when he's reading he's too cheap to spend a quarter shh. on. He's too cheap to spend a quarter on... <laughs> Stop that. He's too cheap to spend a quarter on a newspaper. So he goes to the library and gets them from those big wooden blocks and then the, reads the paper. The big meter rulers. Yeah, because, you know, Kramer says that only cheapskates go to the library. They won't yeah. spend the quarter on the newspaper. They'd rather just read it for free in the library. And then Jerry goes, you want to come to the library with me? And he's like, yeah, right. Yeah, he sort of contradicts himself. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask what you thought, because it only occurred to me the last time I watched it, which was this morning, what... Has, it's not really in in line with our you know the idea of the podcast, but why does why does Kramer hate libraries? He criticizes the people that go to the library to read the newspaper to save save a bit of save a bit of coin, and he he basically just says that the Dewey Decimal System is this big conspiracy. It's conspiracy, yeah. yeah. Like what? What's I love he? That. He's he's attacking to library things very very viciously what what do you think he's got against libraries? I don't know. Well, libraries are a great source of learning, great place to you know nourish your brain with new knowledge and you know mm. learning new things i think it's a wonderful thing you can go and chill out these yeah. days you can put your headphones in you can go on your laptop or your ipad or whatever device you've got thingamabob and 
Just do your thing. It's that, great. That's what I mean. Like, why is Kramer so so anti-library? It's it, it just occurred to me. I don't know. He's yeah. just very he's very contradicting. Like he's anti this. He reads the alternative media. Yeah, it's maybe he's just anti-establishment. Jerry. I think he's anti-establishment. Yeah, or he yeah. tries to be. He he's pseudo anti-establishment. I think so. Yeah, he's too nice to be truly anti-establishment. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that's sort of it for this episode. Yeah. So we've kind of touched on all the major major characters. And again, uh, we've mentioned it a few times. If you have any additional ideas, um, any corrections, any fact corrections, any feedback at all, please get in touch through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, we've got an email, which is on all of our socials as well. Um, yep. Obviously on iTunes, leave a review, spread the word, help us out. We really love uh, you, the fact that you're listening to us. Yeah, it's great. And, it's uh, wonderful. Yeah, we appreciate it. So uh, thank you. And uh, I'm I'm Stephen. And I'm Ivan. And next week, actually, we won't mention now what the next episode will be. Okay. If you follow us on social media, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll give some hints away. We'll give some hints and we'll let you know what the next episode's going to be. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for listening and uh, take care. Take care. Cheers. See you next week. <laughs>